0: The High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. It's good to be in the Lord's house today. I'm so thankful for His blessings. and I think, as you know, as I told you before when I preached a few months ago, I live for this moment. Let me tell you why I'm here this morning. Last Saturday morning, not yesterday, but last Saturday or Sunday morning, about three o'clock. I woke up to a beautiful choir singing. It was a large choir. I could tell that with men and women's voices. And they were singing a song that I knew. So I sang along with them. But all of a sudden I thought, well, wait, whoa, where's this music coming from? And I thought, well, somebody's got the radio on out in the parking lot too loud. But 3 o'clock in the morning, I checked in the house. There was nothing on there. And so I I got to thinking, what's happening? You know what song they were singing? I love to tell the story of Jesus and his love. That's That's an old song. It's a grand song. If you were around many years ago, it's number 323 in the Redback Hymnal. But when that happened... I felt like the Lord was speaking to me and saying, It's time to preach. So I'm here today, and I thank God for the strength. And I, I know He's gonna touch me and help me preach. I've got a sermon today that uh I've been working on for months and months. I usually work on it between midnight and two o'clock in the morning because the Lord just speaks to me at those times. And we've entitled it beyond calvary beyond calvary and i want to talk to you today about that let's look at some scriptures from luke the 24th chapter if you'd like to stand for the reading of the word of god we'll put them on the screen for you these are the words of jesus then he said to them that thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. That was the past tense. Now look at the future tense. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. You can be seated. The Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word today. Today I'm going to try to move some of you. I don't mean physically move you or send you to another city, but I'm going to try to move you to the right side of Calvary. You know you can be on the wrong side of Calvary. There were two thieves, one on either side of Christ one of them blasphemed Christ. The other said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. You can be on the wrong side of Calvary that way. But I want to go this way. I want to, I want to get on the right side of Calvary from front to back. And I want to talk to you about that this morning. Uh there, there are some wonderful things that I think we need to know, and I believe the Lord's revealed to me, and so I want to share them with you today. Uh, when I look at Calvary, it's, it's the most wonderful place in all the world. Calvary is where the Son of God, known as the Son of Man, laid down his life for you and me. But there are a lot of people who are still standing at the foot of the cross and have never gone any further, not the way the Lord wants us to do. You know that most, and I want you to hear this, most of your things that you want the most are just beyond your fears. Oh, great. I feel, feel the anointing now. I've been waiting on that because that, that makes it a lot easier. But most of the things that you desire in life, and it's, so in, it's true in church, the things that we desire so much from God are just right beyond our fears. I think that's why Jesus said so many times, fear not, fear not, fear not. He didn't want us to have fear, but he wanted us to walk in faith we feel secure at the cross while we're standing there where we know it's a place where we first saw the light and where the burdens of our heart rolled away and we can shout about that but i hope to prove to you in this message that christ wants you to go beyond calvary so that you may be endued with power from on high what happened at calvary As I said, the Son of God, the Son of Man, gave his life for us. He became like us, the Bible said, so that he could die. You know why? So we could be like him. (laughs) Isn't it wonderful what he did so that we could be like him? But at Calvary, we see the suffering Savior. We see the one who was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of his peace was upon him, and by his stripes, we are healed. And it's a little wonder that we feel comfortable just standing right there. Stay right there at the foot of the cross. It's where the lamb was slain, it's where the blood was spilt for the remission of sins. We love Calvary because Jesus died for us. And we can identify with his sufferings and we can appreciate his sacrificial death. But Christ never asked us to stay at Calvary once we have received the benefits of of his life. His command for us was to go beyond Calvary to the upper room. Hallelujah. But some of us have concluded that we're not going to leave Calvary because that's where Jesus said it's finished. If he said it's finished there, then there's nothing beyond Calvary. There's nothing else to look for. But let me tell you what Jesus was talking about when he said it was finished. Let's put this on the screen for John 19, 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all the things were now accomplished, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. See what he's saying? All those prophecies in the Old Testament, all those things that pointed to Calvary and to Christ, they were fulfilled at that moment when he gave his life on Calvary. And look at the rest of it. He said, I I thirst. And so they gave him, you know, some of the sour wine. That was supposed to be uh, something like a sediment or something. So he wouldn't have so much pain, but he, he wouldn't drink that. And then after that, after they had put that to his mouth, that's that's when he uh, said, it is finished. It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up the spirit. What's finished? Everything that told about the Messiah. Hallelujah. The one who is to come the one we've been looking for all these years. Everything that spoke of him, Jesus fulfilled every one of those prophecies when he died on the cross at Calvary. Praise the Lord. Do you know something else that happened when he died on the cross and said it's finished? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John said that the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom and exposed the holy of holies. Hallelujah. Now, I got to apologize to some of you if you've ever heard me preach on this before. The way I used to preach it was that the veil was torn open and Jesus said, Come on in. But that's not right. I, the other night, the Holy Ghost said, No, that's not it. The veil in the temple was torn in two so God could get out. Hallelujah. You can't go to Jerusalem today. You can't go to that temple. You can't stand near the holy holes. It was torn down in A.D. 70. But Jesus told the little Samaritan woman, there's coming a day when you will not not worship at Jerusalem and you will not worship where you like to worship, but those who worship me will worship me in spirit and in truth. And then Paul told us, said, don't you know, that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, and that the Holy Ghost dwells within you. For you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The glory of the Holy of Holies now can reside within us. How do you receive that? You have to go to the upper room. That's, that's where this wonderful transformation takes place. But some will say, I received the Holy Ghost when I got saved. Well, you did. You, you got a portion of it, but let, let me show you how Jesus explained that. To the woman at Samaria, St. John the 4th chapter, 13th and 14th verses. The woman of Samaria, Jesus said to her at the well, Whosoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall become in him a fountain of water springing up to everlasting life. That's salvation, a fountain of water springing up to everlasting life. But if you read on to John 7, 37 and 39, it said on the last day of the feast, the great feast, Jesus stood up and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as a scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers, hallelujah, rivers of living water. But this he spoke. Concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in Him would receive. Listen to this for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. I'm trying to show you there's two different experiences. There's some people here that didn't grow up in Pentecost, so you, you don't know this, you haven't heard this. So I just felt like God wanted me to share this with you today. When Calvary's mentioned in the scriptures, There's there's no mention of the Holy Ghost unless it's just the fact that he through the eternal spirit offered himself to God and the same spirit that quickened Jesus Christ and brought him out of the grave shall also quicken you. But there's no mention of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Salvation is faith in the sacrificial death of the Lord. It's the doorway to the blessings of God, but it's not the end, hallelujah. It's just getting you inside the door where you can grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and where you can be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. As a matter of fact, we know that he made it back to heaven and was glorified. Do you know when Jesus came, he laid down his glory. Everything Jesus did on earth, he did in the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, the spirit of the Lord God's upon me because he's anointed me to preach and to heal and to do all these things. He did all of that in the power of the spirit. But when he got back home, glory to God, he picked, he picked up his glory and was clothed again with the glory of the son of God. As a matter of fact, Peter told us about that on the day of Pentecost, he said, let Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is to you and to your children and to all those who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The Holy Spirit was a promise that was made by God, and Jesus is the one who was supposed to grant that unto us. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's expedient for you or it's better for you for me to get out of here. Now, I can't fathom that. Oh, you can reach out and touch him. You can talk to him. You can see his miracles. You can do all those. Jesus said, but you're going to be better off if I leave you. My father, how in the world could you be better off without Jesus? He said, because if I don't go, the comforter's not going to come. But if I go, I will send him unto you. Hallelujah. That's the promise of Jesus. He said, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and give it unto you. As a matter of fact, on the day of Pentecost, Peter told us he made it home. This is what he said: This Jesus, God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now hear and see. He said he made it home, folks. He's back. He's glorified. He's in the presence of the Father. So listen to me this morning. Here's here's what laid on my heart. Some powerful things that we need to remember. When we're saved we see the broken, wounded Son of God dying and bleeding. But we rejoice because he's being punished and dying for us. But let me show you who you see, my God. Let me show you who you see when the, you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But that's on the screen, Revelations 1, 10. Here's John. He's on the Isle of Patmos. He's there on the Lord's day. And look what he said. I was in the Spirit. When you get in the Spirit, when the Holy Spirit gets in you, this is the one who does it. And I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man. Whoa, whoa, got to stop here. John, what are you talking about? You walked with him for three and a half years. You put your head on his chest one time. You heard every word he said. Now, you say it's like the Son of God. Is it him or is it not? And John would say, oh, it's him. But boy, has he ever changed from the last time that I saw him. Oh, hallelujah. He said that he was clothed with a garment down to the feet and girt about the waist with a golden band. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice was a sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid, I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. Behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know who that is? That's the exalted son of God. Oh, you say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought that was going to be the guy in the revelations. No. John was on the Isle of Patmos in A.D. 97. That's about 60-some years after Jesus died. So John was an old man. He was in his 80s or 90s when he was placed there for preaching the gospel. But that was what Jesus looked like 2,000-some years ago. Great God. And if he looked that way then, he looks like that today, and that's the one who fills you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Oh, Lord, have mercy. The omnipotent omnipresent, oh God, that that one who is so wonderful and so real to us, the omniscient one who knows all things, you talk about that, you wonder why some people shake when the Holy Ghost comes on them, or or why they may roll in the floor, or why they may shout down the aisle, you let the power, the dunamis, oh God, the power of the Holy Ghost come upon you, touched by the omnipotent, God, the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to do something different from what maybe you've ever done before. Oh, hallelujah. What a wonderful Savior we have. And I'm here to tell you, the Lamb will take away your sins, but the one that John saw is the one who will fill you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He said that when it comes, you will speak with new tongues. And you will testify of me in a heavenly language. No wonder it's such a glorious experience. The early church, when they received this, they walked in this power. Paul got into town and he'd say, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? That was their second question. Are you saved? See, you got to be saved to get the Holy Ghost. Repent and be baptized and then you shall be filled. You, you know, there's a, there's a pathway to follow. Get saved, get in the door, and then be baptized, be obedient, and then receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The early church was living in that. But about 300 A.D., something happened. The church started sort of waning, and that's the time the Catholic church took over. And, and they began to sort of rule everything and, and say they were in charge and Rome was over everything uh, in the world. And it, it, was, it was amazing what happened when they took over. They put Christ back on the cross. At least when I go to St. Francis Hospital, every room's got a crucifix in it. I like to make little open tombs and put, hang it up there beside of it. But they got to where Christ was back on the cross and actually got to the place where the Pope was more powerful. And when he spoke, it meant more than what Jesus Christ meant. But I'm telling you oh, I'm happy that he said there was going to be a former reign and there was going to be a latter reign. And Lord have mercy, in about the 1880s, the last part of it, in 1896, at a little schoolhouse, Shira Schoolhouse in, in North Carolina, there was a group of people who had been meeting together for 10 years. But on this night during a revival, over one hundred of them received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and the latter-day rain started being poured out. There was Azusa Street, and then it began to spread everywhere. Until the day today, there is one billion six hundred million Pentecostals who speak in tongues with with a spirit's utterance. Hallelujah. Thanks be unto God. I, some of you are wanting to, to maybe ask me some questions because I'm, I'm fearful. So I thought I'd just quickly try to answer some of your questions. You put those up for me. But before I get to those, let me tell you that in 1980, I came to South Carolina as a state youth director. And of course, my job was to travel all over the state, preaching as many churches that I could. And I got to one church, it was down east, and uh, I got to talking to a man who was quite an older man, but he said, "My grandfather was one of the first people that ever received the Holy Ghost in the southeastern United States." And I said, "Oh, oh, tell me about it, because I collect stories." I said, "Tell me about it." He said, "Well, he was a Baptist man. And he had him an altar out behind the barn. And every day, he'd go out there and pray. But one day, he got a little warm in the spirit. And he started talking in some kind of language. And he didn't know what it was. Well, in the same county, there was a little Methodist lady who literally had her a closet of prayer. And she would go in there and pray. But one day, she got a little warm in the spirit. And she started talking in some kind of language. And she didn't know what it was. But an evangelist came through, and they had a revival. And during the revival one night, the little lady got up just trembling and said, Would you please pray for me? I don't know what's going on, but every time I get in serious prayer before God, I start speaking in some kind of a language. He said his grandpa jumped up across the room and said, Sister, it sounds like the same thing that goes on out behind the barn. <laughs> glory to God. You know what the man up front, the preacher said, give me my Bible. If it's not in there, we won't do it anymore. But if it's in there, we can do it. And they said, he said, when they handed him his Bible, it just fell open. And he looked down and he said, "Well, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as a spirit gave them utterance. Oh, great God. I'm trying to tell you this morning, we didn't make up our beliefs, but our beliefs have made us what we are. We're Pentecostals, and we know about the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost. Let's look at some of these. Is the Holy Ghost for me? Some people wonder, is the Holy Ghost for me? Let me tell you a story. Back in uh, March of 1992, I was the International Director of Youth and Christian Education, and I went to Baltimore to preach for Danny Moore. And the thing that happened, this I'm going to tell you, happened a Sunday night before I preached there on Sunday morning and Sunday night. Danny said he had preached, and he said nothing happened. You know, sometimes that happens when you preach. It's nothing happened. So he said, I called everybody to the altar. And people got down the altar, and somebody got to play, and all of a sudden there was just waves of the Holy Ghost." started moving across there. And he said, people started speaking in tongues. Well, there was a lady in his church by the name of Nancy Troutman. She was a devout Jew, but she had gotten saved. But the ladies had got around her to pray for her, and the Holy Ghost came on her, and she jumped up and said, I don't know if that is for me. Oh, is the Holy Ghost for me. So let me show you what God did to tell Nancy that it was for her. Ray and Nancy, Ray's the guy that brings her to church. They're sitting back in the the pews, and people up there shouting and praising God and speaking in tongues. When Nancy grabbed Ray by the arm and said, Oh, Ray, Ray, who is it in this church that speaks in beautiful ancient Hebrew? And Ray said, I don't know. Maybe the pastor knows a word or two. She said, Oh, no, it's not the pastor. It's not the pastor. It's one of those ladies over there in the corner. And he said, what is she saying? She said, she is saying, thou art worthy, O Jehovah. Thou art worthy, most high. And listen to this. Remember the story of Jonah. Oh, what's the story of Jonah? He ran from God, what God wanted to do, but he ran from God. You think God's not giving Nancy a message? And so that's what she said. And then he said, well, can you tell which one it is? And Ray said, when she pointed to the one it was, he said, my heart almost exploded within me because I go up in the projects and bring her to church. Her name was May. And he said, I didn't say anything to to Nancy, but I waited till May came down the aisle. And I said, Sister May, come here. And she came over and he said, Sister May, do you know any ancient Hebrew and he said that May dropped her head and started crying and said, Oh, Brother Ray, you know I can't read or write. Oh, great God. I'm telling you, there is no barrier to the work of the Holy Spirit of God. Yeah. Hallelujah. You say, well, what if I don't understand? What if I don't understand about the Holy Let me tell you, I've got a lot of stories. Keith Ivester, he's now uh, the overseer of Florida, but years ago when I was in the National Department, he was in California and then he went to Maryland. Well, I went to Maryland to preach a youth camp for him and I'm sitting there in his office, he opens up a drawer and he throws out the, the, the bandages, the uh, things that the uh, gang members get, bandanas or whatever they put around the head he threw out about 15 or 20 of them I said what in where'd you get those so he told me the story he said when I was in California I would raise extra money for kids to come to camp so I'd raise money and I put out the word bring me some kids so the guy in San Francisco took him at his word and got his church bus and went all over town and told kids said you want to go to summer camp well, you meet me here next Monday morning with the clothes and we'll go. And he brought a whole busload to camp. Well, that, everybody was sort of happy about that until he said somebody come running him off. and said, you better get out of here. There's a group of them on one side got their knives drawn and there's a group on the other side got their knives drawn and said they're just daring each other. Somebody step across there. And when he got out there, he found out that the people, most of the people that the preacher brought were members of the two worst gangs in the the country, the Bloods and the Crips. So he has a bunch of gang members, and he said, we tried to disarm them as much as we could. But he said, I headed for the evangelist. And I said, you better preach tonight. And he said, well, I'm going to. He said, no, I mean, you better really preach tonight. So God moved into service. And people were in the altar, and Keith said, I saw one young guy there, and I thought, I'm going to pray with him. So he prayed with him, and he was saved. And Keith got up and walked away, and all of a sudden, somebody's tapping him on the shoulder. And it's this guy, and he's saying, give me more of this. Give me more of this. You know who that was? That was the leader of one of the gangs. But he said, give me some more of this said, I feel so good. He said, give me some more. And Keith said, you must want the Holy Ghost. He said, I don't know what that is, but if it's more of this, I want it. And Keith said, I laid my hand on him. And he began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. He he got four more of of his gang members saved that week. And he marched them up to Keith and said, give him to them. Give him to them. He said, what? He said, that Holy Ghost. Give him to them, too. And and before the week, all four of them were baptized in the Holy Ghost. God worked a miracle. Keith said, I went down to San Francisco, and I was going to preach a rally. And I was locking my car out front when I heard a voice from the church that said, hey, preach. That's what they called him. Hey, preach. Come on in. I got a bunch more for you in here. Hallelujah. You wonder how the church grows when the Holy Ghost gets a hold of us. My father, when you get saved, you're a container. But when you get the Holy Ghost, you're a distributor. (laughs) Glory to God. I want to be a distributor working for the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, how do I need to pray? I've seen all kinds of praying. I've heard people screaming, and, and uh, well, I could tell you all kinds of stories. But how do I need to pray? I was preaching a revival in Wichita, Kansas, back in probably 1963. And uh, there was one guy there that sort of, you know, a guy like this catches your attention. He was probably about 23 years old, I think. And he'd come up every night and take his handkerchief out. lay it down on the floor, get down with his knees and straighten the creases in his pants, and then he'd do like that. Never say a word. You know me, I'd go by and slap him on the back and say, praise God, brothers, just glorify God. But Just like that. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night. Tuesday night and I you know what I, I literally and I'm sorry I did this I said God can you do anything with that <laughs> he always got right in front of the pulpit hard to get to him but buddy on Tuesday night the Holy Ghost began to work and people were in the altar and I was praying for people and I got over here, and there were three little girls, probably 10, 12 years old. And, and they were just praying their hearts out. And I reached down to lay hands on them. And when I did, before I ever got my hand there, all three of them began to speak in tongues. Now, that was too much for me. I had a Holy Ghost shouting time. I literally, honestly shouted out of my coat. I used to be able to get around. When I stopped shouting, I looked down, and that guy was gone. And I said, oh, Lord, no, he's got scared. He's run out of here. Something's happened. But he hadn't. I kept looking, and he came rolling out from under the front pew, speaking in tongues. Oh, hallelujah. He was baptized with the Holy Ghost and hadn't said a word. Oh, glory be to God. Hallelujah. Just Pray. Just pray. Ask him. It's a gift. Give it to to them. It's a gift of God that Jesus gives to us. All you have to do is just receive it. Well, how do I do that? I've got a lot of stories, but I want to. There was a man in, in Gastonia. You know, Gastonia at that time, back in the. Ooh, back in the 670s they had 32 churches in town little Gastonia we had 32 churches there was a church of god a mile down from us, this, our church this way there was a church of god 3 miles over that way they were every everywhere you looked there was a church of god it, it, it just, just amazing but one of the guys in one of the churches there told his wife i'm hungry for the holy ghost and I'm going to receive the Holy Ghost. I've told my boss I'm taking two weeks off. And, and uh, I'm, I'm going, and he told her, said, and I'm going to the woods. He went and bought him a tent. He bought him a Coleman stove. He got him a nice chest with food in it. He went out there to the woods, and he was going to stay two weeks until God filled him with the Holy Ghost. So he put up his tent and set up his table and his stove and had all of his stuff there. And he went over and he kneeled down on his knees and he said, Father, I want the." About that time, the language changed and he started speaking in other tongues as a spirit gives the others. Why? How did that happen? I want it. I want it more than anything else in the world. I want it more than my next breath. I want it because I need it. I need the power of the Holy Ghost in my life. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, I I don't know how you want to pray. You can pray however you want to. I I saw three young girls in a youth camp, and I they were from a different uh, group of people, and uh, they were just screaming. I walked over there, and I said, get up. You get up. You don't have to scream to the Holy Ghost. I mean, he wants to fill you. If you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost, then just stand up raise your hands. And I laid hands on the first one and she received the Holy Ghost. Well, I looked out a corner of my eye and here came their youth pastor. And boy, was he upset because I'd stopped them from praying like that and screaming. And, but by the time he got to me, she got the Holy Ghost. I laid the hands on the one in the middle. She got the Holy Ghost. Next when I felt his hand on top of mine and he was praying for her and she received the Holy Ghost. He said, boy, did I learn something today. Just hungry. Oh, God, make us hungry for the Holy Ghost. God, make us hungry for the power of his spirit in our lives. Jesus said you'll receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Mm -hmm.